0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Richard
3: Diamond, private detective.
4: Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce in the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Suspense. The adventures of Sam Spade, detective.
5: And now, gangbusters! Welcome to the Film Detective Podcast, where we bring you theater-of-the-mind programming from the golden age of radio. I'm your host, Carl Amari. This time, Jackson Beck stars as sophisticated detective Philo Vance from 1949. Stick around. We'll be right back.
0: Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Gravis or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call eight seven seven three five one zero three zero zero. 351 300 See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot,
5: Detective Philo Vance was created by S.S. Van Dyne. Vance was featured in 12 crime novels published in the 1920s and 30s. The character was so popular that he appeared in books, movies, and on radio. Vance was a stylish, even foppish dandy, a New York bon vivant possessing a highly intellectual nature. On the silver screen, Vance was portrayed by several actors including William Powell, Basil Rathbone, and Paul Lucas. In 1945, NBC Radio cast Jose Ferrer as Philo Vance in a short-lived summer series. A summer replacement series in 1946 starred John Emery. The best-known radio series ran from 1948 to 1950 starring Jackson Beck. Beck, one of the busiest actors of the golden age of radio, may be best remembered as the announcer on The Adventures of Superman. Joan Alexander played Ellen Deering Vance's secretary and right-hand woman, Philo Vance was syndicated by prolific producer Frederick W. Ziv, with more than 100 episodes produced. In this episode, a magician is found knifed in the back in a locked and bolted room. Philo Vance investigates. Here's The Magic Murder Case, starring Jackson Beck, on Philo Vance from January 4, 1949.
4: It'll do you no good to stay here and watch me. For you, I have no magic tricks to build or to sell. Now, look, Pop, I'll
6: pay you just as much as any magician. Maybe more. Oh, no.
4: For you, I have nothing. I build a trick or an illusion for you, and what do you do with it? Expose it on the stage. Show the public how it works. Uh, You are not a magician. You're making it impossible for magicians to work. Get out of my shop.
6: Now, Pop, all I want is one trick. Nobody can make them like you. A Pop Baker false bottom table looks two inches high to an audience. Actually, it's about six. Nobody's as good as you, Pop.
4: Huh. The great Mento says nobody is as good as me, so I relent. I sell him my tricks. Oh, no. now not for you, Mento.
6: No tricks. Look, Pop, you've no real gripe against me. Okay. So I expose magic. So what? So what, you say? Listen. Ten years ago, who was the greatest magician of them all? Who, answer me, who? You mean you? You are pretty good.
4: Pretty good. From coast to coast, a headliner. My own magic show, two performances a day, my name in electric lights. Baker the baffler.
6: Now, what do I have? A pretty nice business. Making effects for magicians. That compares with what I had? Fool. Here do I have an audience that applauds me? No. Here do I have anything except my tools, my work? You're not blaming me for getting you off the stage, are you?
4: Yes. Yes, I blame you. I must blame you. Every trick I did on the stage, you exposed. Soon people did not want to see me anymore. They know how my tricks are done. They laugh at me. You made them
6: laugh at me. No, Mento. From me, you get nothing. Ever. Sorry you feel that way, Pop. But I think you're exaggerating this a little bit, aren't you? Oh, no. No,
4: I'm not. I think many times over the years I was on the stage, how it was everything to me my whole life. Well? You took that life away from me, Mento. Ah. Remember and be warned.
6: You took my life from me. Maybe someday I do the same for you.
2: How's my makeup, Betty? It's perfect, Mento, as you know. Just like everything else about you. Perfect.
6: That's hardly a reason for that tone you're using, my girl. Incidentally, your makeup wasn't too good at the matinee. Too lazy or too much in a hurry, which was it?
2: Neither. I've been with you over a year now, mental. So you
6: have, so you have. And uh, no magician ever had a pretty assistant. I am very pleased with you, Betty.
2: Pleased with me? That isn't the way you talked when I first joined the act. If this is
6: going to be a quarrel about the same old thing again... Please, let it keep until after the performance. I can't work when I'm upset.
2: I've been upset for months and I've worked. I don't see any reason for putting this off any longer.
6: All right, let's have it. What is it?
2: When are you going to marry me, Mento?
6: Is that all? (laughs) I thought this was going to be something important.
2: It was important when you tried to convince me you were in love with me. When you made me fall in love with you.
6: I made you fall in love with me? Uh-huh. <laughs> come now, Betty. There's a limit to what even a magician can do. Come on, come on, Juan. Hand me my cape.
2: Here. Ah,
6: folding flowers and silks are in
2: it. Yes, they're in the folds of the cape where they belong. Now, listen, Mento. How about you and me? What have you decided? What's the terrible rush, my
6: dear? You know I'm fond of you.
2: Maybe. But Johnny Davis is in love with me. He wants to marry me. Well, then
6: marry him. I'll hide my broken heart and wish you to all the happiness in the world. Although what you can see in that, that, that hoofer, I don't know.
2: Johnny's wonderful.
6: Well, then you should be very happy.
2: Well, I'm not. You've seen to that. And, Mento, I won't forget it. But I'm not going to be unhappy alone. I'll see to it that you share some of my misery. Believe me, I will. (laughs)
3: snap out of it, baby. Things can't be that tough. Besides, the coffee cup isn't a Kristen Ball, so start staring into it.
2: I'm sorry, Johnny.
3: Had Meadow as you upset, hasn't he? Maybe I ought to talk to him.
2: Oh, it won't do any good, Johnny. I tried just before we went on stage 20 minutes ago. He won't tell me anything, one way or another.
3: Is he in the dressing room now?
2: Oh, I suppose so. Told me he was expecting two visitors after the performance. That might be just another stall so he don't have to take me out tonight. But he went to his dressing room, I know that.
3: Why don't you give him up, Betty? He's only making you unhappy.
2: I wish I could. Without him, there's nothing.
3: There's a precious little guy called me. I could make you happy, dear.
2: Yeah, I know one thing, Johnny. I know you'd try. It wouldn't be fair to you. There'd always be something missing. As long as Mentor were alive, I couldn't help but want him. Is that so wrong? You
3: know it is. That guy isn't happy unless he's doing something to hurt people. His fake magic act does nothing but expose tricks. He worked on you until you fell in love with him, just so he could watch you suffer.
2: Yeah, and the awful part of this Johnny is I know all that. I know it, and I can't do anything about it.
3: No. No, I guess you can't. But you said before that you'd want Mento as long as he was alive. Maybe I can do something about that. (laughs)
4: Good show, wasn't it, Vance? Excellent, Markham, (laughs) excellent. I've always had a soft spot for a boldo. Nice of the fellow to have sent me these tickets, wasn't it? Fellow?
1: What fellow? I was under the impression that you'd bought them. No.
4: Remember that magic act that opened the second half of the bill? The great Mento? Of course, he was very clever. And his assistant was quite pretty. That door there leads backstage, I imagine. Come on, we're going to see him. All right. Would it be impolite to ask why? Hardly. As I was saying, he sent me these tickets and a note asking me to come backstage at the end of the performance. I'll get in the store.
1: Backstage always had a fascination for me, Vance. It has for most people, Mark, including actors. And private investigators. Guilty as charged.
4: (laughs) I beg your pardon, but where is the great Mentos dressing room, please?
2: Second room to the right. Thank
4: you. Markham to retain a semi-consistency to our conversation. I believe I was telling you about a note that this Mento sent me along with the tickets. So you were. It said, please see the show and come back to visit him afterward. It had a hint of intrigue.
1: Vance, you could find intrigue in a loaf of bread. Don't you ever get tired of looking for it?
4: No, and I hope I never will. (laughs) It's true that many times the intrigue isn't there when I think it might be, but I don't overlook anything either, anything that might be passed by if I hadn't investigated.
1: Well, here we are. Perhaps your friend didn't wait. Perhaps that, too, is part of the intrigue. That would be interesting, Markham. Very interesting. Well, from what I can gather, you have your choice of believing that he either didn't wait or is very deaf.
4: Vance. Now, don't be alarmed because I'm looking through the keyhole, Markham. Perhaps it is undignified, but under the circumstances, I believe it's warranted.
1: And what warrants it?
4: The keyhole is obstructed a bit because the key is still on the inside. Which means the door is locked from the inside, of course. That's right. Somebody must have locked it from the inside. But nobody answers our knock.
1: There's trouble in that room, Markham. Well, then come on, man. Help me break down this door. Once more ought to do it. Well. Uh, There's the great Mento, all right. Lying face down with a knife in his back. You are right about trouble, Vance. Yes, I know. Look at this door, Markham.
4: It wasn't only locked on the inside with a key, it was bolted from the inside.
1: I'll get Sergeant Heath on the telephone immediately. I
4: think that can wait a moment, Markham. Okay. Take a look at this room. There's no other way a murderer could have gotten out except the door. and That was locked and bolted. That window up there, Vance. Too small to let anyone in or out. Besides, I think you'll find that that's locked from the inside, too.
1: I think you're right, Vance. Yes, it is locked from the inside.
4: Well, this looks like a first-rate mystery, Markham. The position of that knife prohibits suicide... Yet nobody could have gotten in here to kill our friend Mento. Or so it seems. I
1: go along with that, definitely. Take a look around the room, Vance. There's the little stand that Mento brought out those silks and that fishbowl from. Uh, There's another table over there. And I guess that's all. No question about that. Vance, I have an idea that this is probably the most baffling case we've ever encountered.
4: No question about that either, Markham. I'm quite sure this case isn't going to be quite as easy to break open as that locked door was. (laughs) Ah, Baker, I am, Mr. Vance. That's right. You in the right place? I imagined I was when I saw those magic cabinets. You build them? Yes, that I do. They are illusion cabinets. I'd like to see the inside of one. May I? If you like, open the one in front of you. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, open it. What do you see? Well, to be honest about it, I don't see anything. Just the inside of a man-high cabinet, black satin lined. How deep would you say it was? I don't know. Five, six inches... It seemed much deeper from the outside before I opened the door. Well, it's 24 inches deep, Holds two girls. See, one of them can easily fit in back of this rear satin. Allows the magician to change his assistants just like... uh, Like uh... Like magic. (laughs) You're quite a craftsman, Mr. Baker. Thank you. Yes, now it's my life work. Well, what is it you wanted, Mr. Vance? To purchase one of my illusions? Not exactly. I'm here investigating the death of the great Mento... He was murdered in his dressing room last night with the door locked and bolted from the inside. Oh, you are a policeman. Not quite. Vance. Oh, of course. Vance, you are Philo Vance. I should have known. I am honored, Mr. Vance. But what do you want with me? Mr. Baker, I talked to Betty Anderson, Mento's assistant, immediately after the murder. She told me several things, among them one fact that brought me here. She told you I quarreled with Mento? That's right. Apparently, Meadow told her when he returned from this workshop of yours. And he was not a good man, this Meadow. You knew that. That isn't what interests me, Mr. Baker. He is now a dead man. I want to know who killed him. So? The newspapers say he was killed in a locked room with a knife at his back. That police are checking the knife for fingerprints. Which they won't find. Anyone clever enough to have figured out this murder wouldn't be simple enough to leave his calling card. Thank you. Why, thank me, Mr. Baker. I merely stated a fact. You were very complimentary. You said the murderer was clever. For that, I thank you. You're telling me that you killed Mento, Mr. Baker? Oh, not exactly. I'm not that stupid. This I will tell you, Mr. Farrow You were perfectly right about two things. There will be no fingerprints, and the murderer is clever. All his life, he has dedicated to making devices which will fool people. This could be his masterpiece. I'm not sure. No? So it's a contest, then. A contest between your knowledge and the murderers. That's fair. Mr. Francis, I will tell you. If I kill him, and if you find out how I did it, I will admit it. But this I tell you, too. The papers say Manto died at 10.15 last night. That death was instantaneous. The papers were correct. Man couldn't live two minutes with that knife in so vulnerable a spot. I do not wish to complicate your work too much, Mr. Vance, but from 9.30 until midnight last night, during which time Mentor was murdered, I was with friends, reliable, reputable friends, including a policeman whom I know. And you didn't leave them even for a moment? Not for a second. You see, Mr. Vance, execution of a crime is like building a magic cabinet. The effect is only perfect if the plans are perfect. Of course, it's very possible that you didn't kill Mento. I suppose so. But, Mr. Vance, I urge you, please do not believe that. I urge you not to believe anyone else murdered the great (laughs) Mento.
1: This is District Attorney Markham. The magic murder case began when the great Mento, theatrical magician, was found in his locked dressing room, a knife planted firmly in his back. Nobody could have gotten into or out of the dressing room, yet Mento couldn't possibly have been a suicide. Vance and I have questioned Betty Anderson, Mento's assistant, and have found that Mento had quarreled with Pop Baker, a craftsman catering to magicians. Vance has gone to see him, while I have decided to continue questioning Miss Anderson.
2: It seems... I didn't kill him, Mr. Markham. I wanted to lots of times, but I didn't. Look at me. Do I look like a killer?
1: My experience as district attorney has taught me, Miss Anderson, that murderers rarely do look like murderers. That's what complicates my job, and Sergeant Heath's, and Philo Vance's. You've told me that Mento promised to marry you.
2: Yeah, sure he did, in the beginning... And later on, he wouldn't be definite. He wouldn't say when. He wouldn't even say he wouldn't marry me. He's that kind of a man, Mr. Markham.
1: You're trying to tell me that even though he might not want something, he didn't want anyone else to get it either.
2: If only he'd said we were through, that he wouldn't marry me. Maybe then I could have been happy with Johnny. Johnny? I didn't mean to say that, Mr. Markham. I don't want Johnny brought into this case. He had nothing to do with Mento's death. I
1: think I might be a better judge of that than you, Miss Anderson. Who is Johnny? Johnny?
2: He's a dancer. He works in the theater next door.
1: Oh, I must remember to tell Vance that. Miss Anderson, there is an element in this case we've never before encountered. The element of the locked door. It makes a puzzling case baffling.
2: Because the door was locked and bolted on the inside?
1: The door and the window, both. Now, I can remember watching a magician get out of a trunk that was locked from the outside. Perhaps this was the same trick in reverse.
2: I doubt that. The locked trunk trick is done with a false panel in the trunk. Magician removes it while he's inside and gets out that way.
1: You know all the tricks, Miss Anderson?
2: Most of them. I watch Mento expose him for over a year.
1: In that case, perhaps you can give him... Oh, hello, Vance. Hello, Markham, Miss Anderson. Any luck in your talk with Pop Baker, Vance? I'm not
4: sure. I got what practically amounted to a confession from him.
2: Pop Baker confessed? I'm
1: afraid I don't understand, Vance. What could it possibly be that practically amounts to a confession?
4: Well, he dared me to prove he did it, for one thing. He has an ironclad alibi for the time of the murder. I
1: know it's ironclad. I just checked it. And perhaps he didn't do it. After all, somebody stabbed Mento at 10.15. And if Pop Baker couldn't have done it, it must be somebody else who was our murderer.
4: That's completely logical, Markham. Unless Mento, the magician, was killed by magic. (laughs) Magic. want me to build some special effects for you, Miss Anderson?
2: Yeah, please, Mr. Baker. I'll pay you for them. I want to do a magic act.
4: Like the great Mentos? No,
2: no, I won't expose magic, Mr. Baker. You see, I was with Mentos long enough to know how all his tricks worked. I can do them, too. But I'll need something big. Some big illusion for a finish. You can build it for me.
4: Undoubtedly, I can build it for you. But will I? (laughs) No, no, I think not.
2: You've got to.
4: Oh, so it's a threat now. I've got to. Miss Anderson, perhaps you'd better... Hello there. Mr. Vance, why do you come here again? You expected me to come, didn't you, Mr. Baker? What I didn't expect was to find Miss Anderson here.
2: I want him to build an effect for me, Vance. I'm going to do a magic act by myself now.
4: Really? That's quite interesting. Mr. Baker, I came back because I want to know a little more about magic. I promise you that unless the information affects this case, I'll reveal it to no one. What is it you wish to know? Well, let's take the sawing a woman in half trick. How did that work? It does no harm to tell you. It has been exposed in theaters for years. Two girls are used. One the public sees when she climbs into the box that is to be sawed. And the other? The other is lying on the table the cabinet rests on. It doesn't look wide enough to hold a girl, but it is. Illusion, eh? Yes. After one girl climbs into the box, she tucks up her feet in the top half. The girl in the table puts her feet through the bottom half and the magician then saws in between them. Mm. Very simple, once it's explained, isn't it? If you saw Mentor's act, you also saw a variation of the trick. He used a table similar to the one in the sawing-a-woman illusion. Mm, So he did. He took several large dogs out of the tabletop. Thank you very much, both of you.
2: You're leaving, Mr. Vance?
4: Definitely. I'm quite certain this mystery is no longer a mystery. I'll be seeing both of you again very soon. Good night. Good night. Good night, Mr. Vance. Now, Miss Anderson, we will talk about what you want me to build for you.
2: No. No, Mr. Baker. Not right now. I didn't like the look on Vance's face when he left.
4: To me, it seemed a very satisfied
2: look. That's just it. I think he knows something. I think he knows everything. And I gotta get out of here fast. <laughs>
1: Here I am, Vance, just as you asked. Why did you want me to meet you here outside Mentos' dressing room?
4: Why, Markham? Because I just left Pop Baker and Betty Anderson. And you are about to witness a dramatization entitled How the Locked Door Murder Was Accomplished. I see there's a new door fitted on Mentos' dressing
2: room.
1: Yes, a new door, a new lock and bolt.
4: That was done earlier today, Vance. Why the dramatics? We're nearing the finish of our case, Markham. I'm going in the dressing room. Give me one moment, then break down the door.
1: Break down the door?
4: What for? Where will you be? I'll be showing you how Mento was murdered. Five seconds, Markham, then break it down. Okay. One, two, three,
1: four, five. I hope you're ready, Vance. Well, Vance, we... Hey, where is he? Vance, where are you? Vance! What is this? This is... Well, you can't be hiding. There's no place to hide. Vance, what is this? Where are you?
4: Right here, Markham.
1: Right where? Your voice seems to be coming from that table, but you couldn't possibly be hiding in that tabletop.
4: No, but I am, Markham. And Now I'm coming out of my hiding place. Vance, that tabletop doesn't look deep enough No, it doesn't, does it? But it is. It's the same type of table I saw at Pop Baker's studio. Ready to make an arrest, Markham?
1: Of course, but... I'm just as ready to hear how this solves Mento's murder.
4: I'll explain later. First, I've got to make a call. And then we've got to pay a call on a murderer.
2: Johnny. Johnny.
3: Well, well, this is a surprise. Hello, Betty. What are you doing here at my place? Johnny,
2: get some clothes packed and get out of here fast. What? Don't stop to argue with me. Get some clothes together. I'll tell you all about this while you're doing it.
3: Well, honey, don't be so mysterious. What's this all about?
2: Okay. You'll want it your way, Johnny. Philo Vance knows you killed Mento.
3: Vance knows it? (laughs) Well, that's interesting. I didn't know it myself. Brilliant guy, that Vance.
2: Don't try to fool me, Johnny. I know you killed him, and I know how you killed him. Really? That's right. Now, come on, let's stop this. Get packed, Johnny. No, no,
3: not yet. Why are you warning me about Vance, Betty?
2: Why shouldn't I warn you? You were in love with me, weren't you? Tried to make things easier for me. Okay, I'm paying off that favor now, Johnny. I'm telling you to get out before Vance gets here. Well,
3: what makes you so sure he's coming?
2: Because he left me at Pop Baker's a little while ago. I'm sure he figured out the false table gimmick. And he'll know it was you who hid in that false tabletop you will know you were in that table in Mento's dressing room while he and Markham were discovering Mento's body. False tabletop. What's that? Oh, Johnny, please, don't try to lie to me. I showed you that phony table. Showed you how it works weeks ago. Please, Johnny, Vance... Never
3: mind about Vance right now. Come here, Betty, darling. Come here. Uh Uh-uh. Come on, baby.
2: Come over here.
3: All right. I'll come over to you.
2: You keep away from me.
3: No, no, darling. I'm coming closer. Close enough, darling, to put my hand right on your throat. <gasps> a few seconds more, darling. Just a few. He'll put a stop to that. Come on, Markham. I'm with you. Neither of you is coming very much closer. Look out, he's got a gun.
2: Come on, come on.
3: I'm holding his arm. Let go of me, you dope. Let go. This will take care of you, Johnny.
4: <sighs> well, Miss Anderson, apparently we got here at the right time. We... Catch her, Markham. Oh, it's
2: all right. I'm all right
4: now. Good. Well, Vance, what happens now? We'll revive Johnny Davis and show him just how certain we are that he killed the great Mento.
1: We won't show him, Vance. You will. All I know is you called Pop Baker and found out Miss Anderson was on the way here. I'm going to learn about the details of this solution at the same time that Johnny is.
4: Johnny, we know you were in love with Betty Anderson, but she wouldn't marry you as long as Mento was alive. So what about it, Vance?
1: So you killed him. So you say. So he'll prove, too, Johnny,
3: if past performances are any criterion. They aren't to me. You can't prove a thing. Sure, sure, I may have been a little rough with Betty when you walked in my apartment a while ago, but you can't hang for that. Johnny, I'll admit that locked
4: door on Mento's dressing room had me stopped temporarily. But it doesn't anymore. You were in that room, hiding in the tabletop while we were there. After we left, you left. With a practically perfect murder to your credit. Pop Baker could have killed better. That's what you wanted us to think when you hid in the table. You knew that eventually we'd figure out that this was a magician's way of killing a magician. And that we'd go straight to Baker. Fortunately, he had an alibi... But he couldn't resist trying to take a little credit for the murder. That was the showman
1: in him. Johnny, we have Betty Anderson ready to say you admitted killing Mento. Also, that you tried to kill her. And also, that she explained the false tabletop to you. We don't need your confession
3: to get a conviction, believe me. No? Okay. If you don't need it, you get it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I killed Mendo. What's more, I'd do it again if I had a chance. Well,
4: Markham, that's the statement we wanted him to make. Now I think I've a statement I want to make. This is the end of the magic murder case.
5: detective with the magic murder case starring jackson beck and joan alexander from january 4th 1949 next time on the film detective podcast dana andrews stars as matt savetic undercover man on i was a communist for the fbi from 1953 so don't miss it to learn more about this series visit the see you next time